Station Eleven is the story of a theater company that travels the Great Lakes area in the years following a pandemic that wipes out most of the world's population. It's also about so much more. Yes, it is. We're going to discuss the novel it's based on, the production which accidentally coincided with, of course, a real pandemic, and yes, why you absolutely should watch this show even as we enter the third year of our own pandemic, and I promise I will try to say pandemic less now. <laughs> oh, you're in trouble now. What? Why? 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 There's so much stuff to see, so listen to the podcast that makes it easy to say. IMDb is obsessed. I'm Alex Logan. I'm Lizzie Bassett. And welcome back to IMDb is Obsessed in 2022. Happy New Year. Yes. It's the show that tells you the one movie or TV series we think you should be watching this week. And this week, we're talking about Station Eleven, which has nine episodes out right now on HBO Max, and the finale will be premiering next week. Yes, we are truly, truly obsessed with this. I have gone back and rewatched all of the episodes that are available I will say this is a show that merits watching more than once, right. um, which I think we'll get to in a little bit. But there's so much going on. There's so much that you don't notice the first time through. Yeah, it is so much deeper and so much more than just a pandemic show and a show about being yeah. locked down and, you know, kind of what what you have to deal with when the world starts falling apart around you. It is so beautiful. And when you first pitched for me to even watch it, I was resistant I <laughs> because of that pitch, because of that, you know, like you said, like, we're going to try to stop saying pandemic less because you just don't want to think about it. You don't want to like no. marinate in it for hour after hour for these episodes. And when it does reveal what it really is giving to you and telling you about the world, it's worth that journey. So Station Eleven is, if you've heard of it before, that is because it's based on a novel written by Emily St. John Mandel in, I believe, 2014. It's her fourth novel. However, I think it's her first big breakout success. Uh, it sold over 1.5 million copies to date. So the book was a big deal prior to us ever entering our own pandemic. However, I think it became kind of a touchstone for a lot of people during the last two years as well. It's something that people came back to and, and I guess we're reaching out to her about a lot. She, interestingly, was not involved in the show, not in a bad way. The show is created by Patrick Somerville, who started out as a novelist and then moved into TV writing on shows like The Bridge and The Leftovers. There's definitely Leftovers DNA, Leftover Leftovers DNA yes. in Station Eleven. <laughs> he helmed his first show with uh, Maniac, and he was alongside Carrie Joji Fukunaga in that. He also co-created and co-wrote Made for Love, which is super underrated, and I would say definitely check that out if you haven't yet. Oh, I haven't, actually. I'm not familiar with it. Oh, it's it. really funny. Yeah. yeah, it's good. And there's some of that, you know, visual, stunning visual DNA from Maniac, I think, that's come over yes. to the series, not just because Patrick Somerville, but also the director that we'll get to, Hiro Mirai, who is able to marry those two, you know, high art conversations with just high art stunning visuals as well. And the show stars Mackenzie Davis, Himesh Patel, Navan Rizwan, David Wilmot, Lori Petty, Gael Garcia Bernal, David Cross, Caitlin Fitzgerald, yes. Matilda Lawler, and so many more. It's a huge cast. It spans it decades of time jumping in between timelines and getting these great, great moments with all of these different characters. Lori yeah, Petty I and David Cross 
I just have to oh. shout out as as one of my favorite, you know, Gen X couples ever. <laughs> the way that <laughs> they put the two of them together. It's so funny. They're fun really fun. funny in this. Yeah. And also I want to shout out um Danielle Deadweiler as well, who I know we'll talk about in a little bit. Um yes. who plays Miranda on the show and is just I mean, if she doesn't get an Emmy nomination for this, I don't I don't know who should. So five of the episodes, including The Incredible Pilot, are directed or co-directed by Hiro Mirai, who Alex just mentioned. Um, you may know him as the brilliant mind behind uh, Childish Gambino's This Is America video and also Much of Atlanta, which, of course, also stars and is created by Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. As Alex said, yes, this is obviously about the aftermath of a pandemic. However, this is not Contagion. Like, I loved Contagion, and I did watch it as sort of a weird, like, <laughs> I don't know if it's schadenfreude or what, but in the middle of, like, a year ago, I decided to sit down and watch Contagion, and I, I remember being like, oh, that's happened. It's, okay, that's happened. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, somewhat weirdly comforting to at least think that other people have thought about this necessarily yeah. you know even if you know the results aren't uh all that positive or happy it's at no. least that like there is some order to the chaos perhaps that you're watching yeah. in contagion but yeah it's it, it does not it's get not into that. the medical uh side no. of it like that yeah no it's, it's i don't think you even see anyone die from the flu in this yeah they really they do not show it's not about the deaths from the flu at all like you feel the loss of the people that the characters in this show lose but you don't need to see that I don't think this is a traumatic show to watch right now. If anything, I think it's actually a very therapeutic um, show. Yeah, it isn't entirely. It is about trauma, of course, and this yes. generational trauma and the trauma that we all hold and how we process that trauma through art. And I think that's where this show stands apart from so many of the other kind of post-apocalyptic series and so many things are dealing with trauma these days. A lot of the horror movies yeah. that were, you know, and this is stuff that's pre-pandemic content as well. But this is the one that sees instead of the kind of everlasting power of art to change the world and in ways that you never, ever intended it to and how art can take on a life of its own despite mm -hmm. how you ever wanted it to, who you wanted to engage with it and where it can go. And that's that's the the Station Eleven at the center of Station Eleven, a comic book that kind of is right. thrown into the world and shapes two different people in the most, you know, opposite ways possible. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just like, it keeps coming back to these themes of like how art can change you. It can change the world. It can better the world. And instead of just, you know, marinating on this idea of like the world's ending, it's terrible. No, look at the art that we've made. It matters. Go forward from there. You know, when you're talking about this graphic novel, Station Eleven, um, I think another big theme of the show is like how differently art can be interpreted. Yes. Because as Alex is saying, like there's two prominent characters in this, both of whom kind of by chance receive um, this a copy of this novel. And without really spoiling anything, the way that they use it is sort of diametrically uh, opposed. Um, right. And the other thing I'll call out that's so sort of lovely about who I think I would say is the main character of this series, which is Kirsten, played by um, Mackenzie Davis as an adult and played by Matilda Lawler um, as a child, both really incredible in this. But she's when she's uh, eight years old um, in Chicago, she says that, like, acting is the only thing she's ever wanted to do. And it must be really sad for Himesh Patel's character, Jeevan, to not know what he would want to do with his life and like at eight years old she knows that and the thing that I think is so magical about this show is that you see her 20 years later 
after the apocalypse, like the <laughs> the world has basically ended, and she's still doing it. Yeah, she like shapes her world around her yes. ambition, which yeah, that that is beautiful and so interesting, and and something that an apocalypse, you know, post apocalyptic content really hasn't delved into in any sort of like. Like this, like nobody's ever really gone into it. Like, sure, there may be like, you know, a play or something in an episode of Walking Dead, but never, you don't meet all the players and see no. their lives, which I think also, is Also, like, it's just always such a bummer. Yes, <laughs> like, of course. And it's... this is actually not a bummer. Like, for the most part, the post-apocalypse looks, it looks kind of fun in this. It does not sure. look that bad. Right. I mean, there's, there's, there definitely present several different approaches to yes. surviving the the post-apocalyptic and some some are better than others for sure but it's it's fascinating that they do put that that lens as the most important thing as that like you mm -hmm. know where where we take art in this next realm and i mean every post-apocalyptic show movie anything is going to be about survival how humankind right. survives and this has gotten to the point i think 20 years after the cataclysmic event that we now are thinking instead like well we need art to survive correct like we need that yeah. part that's something that creation is so is important, important to us and if we're going to survive you know the next how many ever years we need to add that back into our lives and it's kind of beautiful that like all the other stuff did fall away because yeah. now it is just about art and it is getting back to nature and it is, you know, a character born post pandemic asking like, what was the internet? And you could just look up yeah. anybody like they're, they're trying to break down kind of how Lyft works without ever having seen a phone yes. before, you know, like you just call a car and then it takes you anywhere. And just the like surprise of that. And it's like, yeah, those things are fun, but once you like cut them all away and you're just left with like, you know, your own devices and art, it, it becomes something really beautiful and something so interesting and something I've never seen before either. No. And a couple of things, other things to call out are one is that the art that they are creating, at least with the uh, theater troupe, the Traveling yes. Symphony, it is exclusively Shakespeare, which I think is very interesting. That's also the first thing that you see in the entire show is uh, Gael Gar Garcia Bernal's character, Arthur, on stage performing King Lear. Um, and it's it's also interesting, like they show his big production of King Lear on this stage and it feels so much less alive than what when you see Mackenzie Davis oh, yeah. uh, performing Hamlet later, um, you know, 20 years later with the Traveling Symphony. By so candlelight in a field. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. Gorgeous, yeah. You know, the fact that we as a as a as creatures have continued to come back to Shakespeare for what, 500 years now? Mm. Um, I, I think it's just like, there's a reason we come back to it. The stories are so archetypal. The language is so beautiful and it does kind of, you know, I think people think of Shakespeare as very flowery, but in reality, he really doesn't mince words. Like everything right. is very, um, it's very direct. It's, it's telling you exactly what you need to know with every single line. And I just think it's beautiful that they, they chose to do Shakespeare in yeah. the apocalypse. Well, and, you know, not only did he not mince words, he created words when he couldn't, when he didn't yeah. have a perfect one, you know, like the word weird is, weird, is yeah, yeah uh, just for one. But he, it's not just like the references and the, you know, kind of how Shakespeare plays into it and how this art has survived through all these years because it also mm -hmm. is, you know, about the Station Eleven comic book, that piece of art surviving and changing right. the world in, in a way that, you know, is almost as cosmic and strange as Shakespeare surviving. You know, like, why yes. did this one playwright, why did his plays survive through, yeah. you know, all of the tumult of 400, 500 years now? But it's also how they work the stories and the themes of Shakespeare into the story itself, because there's, mm -hmm. there's an episode that is Julius Caesar, where Mark Antony steps forward, and it's so perfectly how they mirror that, and they even call it out at one point, because this actor kind of becomes this Mark Antony character 
uniting people around a common enemy and you know stepping mm. out as a leader it's 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 an episode in an airport that is one yeah. of my favorites and it was such, great. Yeah, such a fascinating but there's they find those themes and you know they they perform hamlet because that story of hamlet is very important to the themes of the story and mm -hmm. brothers and and family dynasties but yeah i love that i love that it's not just like you know oh we're referencing shakespeare because romeo and juliet like you know you know that shorthand no. it's also that these themes are universal everlasting yes. and can survive the destruction of the planet you know these thoughts mm -hmm. thoughts are more powerful art is more powerful than a flu a virus anything that can can take our world apart and i think that's yeah, yeah that's the beauty of this and when when it that hit me i understood oh this is great this isn't just another like you know sad sack into the world like look at it all burned down like no, no. there's there's so it's much look at deeper. it rebuild yes. that's that's this whole show <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. So obviously we've talked a lot about how this show demonstrates the importance and the beauty of art um, and particularly theater. I do also want to shout out that the music on the show is gorgeous. Um, the whole show is scored by Dan Romer, who uh, you may know as the composer from Beasts of Southern Wild. In addition to, he also did Maniac. So he's worked with Patrick Somerville before. He's done a ton, but this is, this is I think, particularly beautiful work from him. So Definitely keep your ears open as well while you're watching. And it sounds like a traveling symphony. It is called the yeah. traveling symphony and it sounds like a traveling symphony. There's there's kind of, you know, a a like revel just spirit to it that just makes it mm -hmm. so much fun and and beautiful and and heartfelt as well. It really yeah. tugs at those heartstrings when uh, you're least expecting it. Yeah, particularly the end of episode seven, there's a really beautiful piece of music that kind of captures exactly what you were just saying. That's like it could it so easily could have been a very like sad sappy like downer of a moment and the music really lifts it up and it ends up being something sort of um joyful so something that i think happened for me that maybe may have happened for a lot of other people over the last 2 years is that my sense of time is very different um oh yeah like it's not it's not linear the way that i used to experience it it's a lot more like i think being stuck at home there's a lot of sort of forced self reflection and there's a lot of like memories that'll just pop up randomly that i you know wasn't wasn't expecting and i think that I'm honestly not sure that this show would have worked as well prior to the last two years because something that it does so well is the way that it perceives time. Um, and I think that that may have been more disorienting without the experience of the last two years, but it, it's very cyclical um, in the way that it tells the story, uh, which I think can, is really hard to do. Like a lot of times when I see a show that I know is going to be jumping back and forth in time and all over the place. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know yeah. if I want to sit through this. That's not the case with this at all. Every single storyline is so fascinating. And when I said earlier that like, it's, I think, important to go back and rewatch it, it's because you realize that there's conversations that you'll see more than once um, and from different perspectives. There's one moment in particular that was so brilliant where early on you see a conversation happen from Kirsten's perspective where Himesh Patel, where Jeevan and his brother Frank are having a conversation in another language. 
and there's no subtitles. She has no idea what's going on. She's still focused on her phone. It's very early. She's trying to get a hold of her parents. Later, I think in episode seven, you actually get to see the conversation that Frank and Jeevan are happening with subtitles and you see it from their perspective. And all of a sudden you, you like watching her over there huddled over on her phone has a completely different meaning than it did, you know, six episodes earlier. Um, there's a lot of that. And there, in the same way that I meant about Shakespeare not mincing words, I think that's the case here as well. There's little lines that might seem like throwaway lines. They're not like pay attention to everything. Yes. Um, Every line in the comic book as they read it comes yeah. back, you know, uh, to the monsters. We are the monsters. They mm -hmm. they keep exploring these themes. And yeah, I love I love that, you know, that deconstructionist of time where they're just looking. Everything comes back around. And, you know, I think, as you're saying, kind of how we're not necessarily we are we are stuck in a time of of constant self-reflection. Right. That we're we're kind of so locked in those times that we're looking back more than we're being present, I think, is something that like I've mm -hmm. felt during this period of time. Yeah. That sometimes when you've gone past something that you feel you didn't at the time even realize was traumatic or difficult or, you know, put some impression on you because you are stuck in this era of self-reflection. It comes you, back up. It doesn't come back. Yeah. Until those, those things kind of coincide again. And there's, there's a moment where, where Mackenzie Davis is performing Hamlet, correct? And she, mm -hmm, yeah. she flashes back to one of these exact moments and you start to see it processed like piece by piece. I think episode three is where the series took flight for me. And mm -hmm. if they had started with episode three, because it is kind of a backstory episode, you know, it does it's kind of a flash. backstory for Miranda, who's played by Danielle Deadweiler. Yeah, correct. And she wrote the comic. Yes. Book, Station, 11. Station 11. And she is the one who kind of unleashes it on the world in a weird way. But yeah, so it's, it's an interesting, like she, if, if we had seen that story early on, we wouldn't have connected with it as much if we didn't know how important that comic book and the creation of it would be. And instead, when you do get to the point where you get to see how she got there, why she created it, what she's processing with it and how it helps others process it and inspire their lives. It's so impactful, so powerful, and just absolutely floored me that that's the episode i mean i was crying by the end of it i think danielle deadwater like you said deserves some some level of yes. accolades for this there's a speech that she gives uh yeah. at, in the boardroom at the very end oh, my God. um that is just it's like and they, they revisit it on the station 11 podcast which i also mm. would recommend that you guys listen to um if you're enjoying the show it's hosted by patrick somerville and Angelica Jade Bastion. Yes. And they're they're both wonderful, um, but they really dive into each episode. And they just did an episode on episode three of Station Eleven. And they replay the audio of this speech of Danielle Deadweiler giving the speech. And it's just it's it's still it made me cry listening to the podcast. Uh, I love episode three. That's where I turned on the show and was like, I love this. I love this. I love this. Yeah, like, you texted we are me, absolutely like, we're doing this show. Yes, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> And the last thing we want to talk about is just that this has been a strange year for everyone, of course, but for HBO Max, where mm -hmm. uh, this series has is playing right now, is rolling out, HBO Max has been spending 2021 doing this kind of experiment of their own of trying to release uh, big movies, both in theaters and on their streaming service. And that yeah. has ended as of January 2022. So they have switched this focus to really 
pumping out these streaming at home series uh, in over the next couple months. And just like that, the Sex and the City um, sequel is is coming out right now. Peacemaker is about to drop, which is a ton of fun. The Righteous Gemstones, which we've yes. actually got to preview and is absolutely and amazing. Loved. Yeah, so, so funny. Um, the Return of the Underappreciated Raised by Wolves. Uh, there's a Steven Soderbergh COVID movie called Kimmy that's coming out soon as well. Um, and it's all to make up for that HBO won't have these big movie premieres like they did before. And, you know, it was an interesting interesting time for them because they didn't really know how these things would go. I mean, you know, Godzilla versus Kong was was a, somewhat of a success for them, whereas Space Jam and New Legacy didn't necessarily perform in the ways that they hoped. You know, uh, the Suicide Squad didn't make back his budget in theaters, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, people were positive about it enough to get a spinoff for Peacemaker. Um, you know, so it's, it's this interesting experiment that they were doing really like testing everything in real time and deciding if they could do this or not now switching to 2022 they won't have that anymore i'm actually really happy to see the focus shift from these big blockbuster movies that i think on a lot of levels you benefited from seeing them in a theater yes seeing them at home it's great it's convenient but i think what what many of us realized is like you do miss something with those when you're not in a theater watching them I'm, Dune I'm has glad. to be experienced yes. on the biggest screen possible, and that's why it but, did well on both. Yeah, and I'm so glad that they are that they seem to be shifting this focus to sort of smaller indie films and these these really incredible sort of immersive series. Because to be honest, like that's what HBO does really well. Um, and I cannot wait to see what else they have in store for us this year. And I'm sure we'll be talking about more of the shows and movies um, that are coming out this year. I am planting a flag in Rachel's Gemstones. We're going to get to it at some point. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, we loved it. It's, a, it's such a such a great second season. So this currently has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb ratings. We would love to hear what you guys are thinking of Station Eleven. Please go rate it. I, I hope you rate it high. I think it's excellent. It seems like people are really enjoying it uh, thus far, which is great. In terms of what to watch next, because if you're like us, you've already watched this twice and you <laughs> <laughs> want more content, uh, I will have to recommend Watchmen, um, also an HBO show. There is some writer and producer overlap with Watchmen and Station Eleven. There's also Danielle Deadweiler, I believe, is in both. Um but I, the thing that stands out to me about Watchmen is it's another show that I was like, I don't think I want to watch this. Like, I don't. Do I care about this? I'm not. Yeah, I saw the movie a while ago. It was fine. I, like, I don't I haven't read the novel. Um, I was so totally wrong. It's it's such a beautiful show. It plays with time and also sort of an unfamiliar world that is at the same time very close to our own in some weird ways, even when there's squids raining from the sky. Yes. <laughs> um, and particularly episode eight, a god walks into a bar or a bar, depending on how you read that. It's one of the most beautiful and I think most romantic episodes of television ever. So just go watch Watchmen. Just watch it. It's really beautiful. I think you will like it if you like Station Eleven. My what to watch next is 12 Monkeys, the 1995 Terry Gilliam movie uh, starring Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt, Madeline Stowe. It's it is a pandemic story, but again, it takes it in such an interesting and different direction. Um, I didn't even think of it as a pandemic story until I was kind of, you know, more recently looking at what other pandemic movies were out there because it's mostly mm. a time travel story. It's about time loops, trying to go back into the time and fix the problems that you think caused this into the world and realizing that maybe, you know, you'll never 
get out of the loops and maybe you caused the loop to begin in the place where it ends up. Uh, fascinating, just really, you know, heady sci-fi with a pretty cool action plot as well. And it really put Brad Pitt on the map as not just another pretty face. He was, this was where, you know, he started to get that uh, Oscar buzz and people started to take him seriously as the kind of weirdo character actor that he really is, despite being, you know, such a handsome man. Well, obviously, Station Eleven is based on a book, um, and the experience that I've had watching it is that it's made me very much want to go back and read the book. So we want to hear from you guys what TV show or movie adaptation has been so good that it made you want to go back and read the book that it was based on. Tweet at IMDb with the hashtag IMDb is obsessed with your answer. Of course, you can always email us at obsessedpodcast at imdb.com. And we take your suggestions very, very seriously. I want to throw one thing at you because you, we brought up somebody brought up Santa Jaws in our last episode, and yeah. my mom <laughs> saw that Santa Jaws was on TV, got so excited, and said, "Oh my God, Santa Jaws is real!" I thought you guys were joking, and then she turned it on. We watched about five minutes, and I said, you, you, "We don't actually have to watch this, Mom." She goes, oh, "Okay, good," <laughs> but so so excited <laughs> that Santa Jaws was real and that we we found it on television and got to at least watch. Yeah. A it's few real. Yeah, it's very real. We definitely listened to you. They guys. definitely put a a Santa hat on that shark fin. They sure did. <laughs> um, and before the break, we asked you guys what TV shows and movies you were most excited about in 2022. Uh, at Hail Hydra 0813 said Pam and Tommy. Yes, I am extremely excited for this. Uh, that's definitely on our list of ones to keep an eye out for. For sure. Uh, at PR Cowboys said Peacemaker. Yes. Uh, yep. I've seen may... it. I've seen a lot of it. Yeah. It's great. If nothing else, it has the best opening dance number credit sequence I have ever seen. <laughs> and I think you will you will enjoy it. Also, from what you're excited about, Universo Panico says Scream. Uh, so yes. did Nev Campbell Webb. Uh, that shouldn't be too surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Ayako Ono at Ayako 1977-0615 said Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yes. I mean, I, I Sam Raimi returning to Marvel. Sign me up. And Deb Palermo says the Batman. That is yes. uh, that is my most excited, uh, the, the, my most anticipated for 2022 for sure right now. And I said we were serious about reading your emails and responding mm -hmm. to them. And what would this podcast be without another Jerry email from our old Jerry. pal, Jerry? <laughs> uh, Jerry emailed us um, before the new year and said, Station Eleven. Oh. So good. You're probably already watching it because you're always watching the good stuff. But just in case the idea of a pandemic-related show during a pandemic turns you off, give it a shot. Yes, you're right, Jerry. Um we we were watching it, and you were correct. It's excellent. So thank you. I wasn't watching it. I needed more prodding. And once I, I did, I'm very glad you that I what? did. You know what? You needed to hear from Jerry. Uh, yes. Jerry, he doesn't trust me. Nope. It was you that put him over the edge. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for Station Eleven, except not at all, because I could keep talking about this for four more hours. Um, I love it so much, and I hope you guys all check it out. Absolutely. I can't wait to see how they wrap this all up because it is I know. a mini series and we're just a few episodes away from the very end. I secretly hope that somehow they're going to spin this into a season two, but I don't know if that's going to happen. They say mini series every time they talk about it. Ugh, yeah, I know. Right, fine. <laughs> um, so the last thing we have to ask from you guys is to please give us a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. It means a lot to us, a rating and a review. Uh, it, doesn't have to be a good one, just anything. We'd love it. 
Yeah, and Spotify has now introduced ratings as well. So if you listen to the whole podcast on there, you can give us a rating out of five stars. Give us five stars. Awesome. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Bye.